You are listening to Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. We are souls on the journey, and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings. We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrian Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Estella Joy Davey. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be The Love Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. Thank you again so much for tuning in this week. I'm Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Rowena Metra. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey, and we are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. Please spread the word to your family and friends and join us every week. Consider becoming a Patreon supporter or a sponsor to help with the operating costs like editing and the many hours we spend creating these shows with quality guests and content. And if you have resonated with our mission, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you're ready to release in this now moment. Take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself. And imagine breathing that light and love and send it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Hello, this is Stacey Musial of Be The Love Podcast, and we're talking about miracle tea today. Are you feeling low on sexual energy? The Mayans and the Aztecs discovered a natural solution for this, demania. This special ingredient in miracle tea found to have an aphrodisiac effect and helps boost sex drive. They would brew the leaves of this tea into a tea and drink it to increase their libido and energy levels. A cup of miracle tea in the morning can give you a boost of energy to sustain your day. And this is Brenda Carey of Be The Love Podcast. Demania is also used to treat headaches, bedwetting, depression, a nervous stomach, and constipation. It can help prevent and treat sexual problems. It can boost and maintain mental and physical stamina. So if you're looking for that energy boost, visit the Love Abundant store at drvarungandhi.com and try Miracle Tea for yourself. I have definitely seen my energy levels boost. You can also listen to Dr. Varun Gandhi's episode on Be The Love podcast, which is episode number 106. 
Our guest today is Ruhina Mehra. She is a certified holistic coach and is a South Asian authenticity coach and guide who helps you strengthen your relationship with your deepest self. So you show up living life with greater confidence, clarity, ease, and joy. She provides one-on-one coaching sessions, group coaching, and group workshops to provide you with the tools and support needed to increase self-awareness and reach a place of fulfillment and joy in your life. Her sessions and workshops cover topics from dating to ancestral trauma to career and so much more to ultimately lead you to your truest, most authentic desires, leading you to the brightest, most confident version you can be. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Rowena. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in and learn um, a bit more about your spiritual journey and what has led you down this unique path. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think if I want to give you the long version or short version. I'll give you like a medium version. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, I, I come from a South Asian background, an Indian background, um, a lot of heavy expectations of what path to follow. It, it was it's almost like an unsaid thing. Like it's expected, especially because, you know, a lot of people who are immigrants have their parents have worked so hard to move over from a different country than they their form of safety for their children and their futures is comes in financial safety and status typically. And what was at least for a long time seen as like a financially secure future uh, was, were jobs like doctors, lawyers, engineers, things like that. So it's almost an unspoken thing in the community that that's the path you're going to go down. Um, and so that was something that I took very literally. I was told from a relatively young age, like, oh, you could become a doctor. And as someone who is a like pretty sensitive person, like a pretty sensitive kid. And I'm self-aware of that now, but I wasn't, you know, and I took that on and I wanted to like, please my family, whatnot, like, you know, just prove that, yes, I can do these things that you want me to do. I I was that kind of person. And B, I always knew I wanted to help people. So becoming a doctor just kind of made sense to me. So I was like, okay, let's do that. And then I went down the road, went to um, high school, college, all the things. And in college, I realized, no, this isn't quite right. Um, and then after like some introspection, I was like, okay, let me switch gears. And I went the public health route instead. I was like still helping people, you know, still, still serving in some way. And then, um, after a few years working the corporate life, it's like, I don't know, like, if this is all that life is, it's like this nine to five, just like constant rigmarole hamster wheel thing. I'm not sure I can necessarily manage it forever. Like for now it's fine, but forever, this is a, a long time. Um, so this was about a four years ago. I actually remember I came back from a vacation um, thinking I would be rejuvenated and excited to go back to work. And then I like sat down at my desk after my like three week vacation and I was like, oh no, I'm not excited. <laughs> like I'm drained thinking about what's to come. So yeah, that was the the beginning of me just searching, like, what are my options? What are the answers? How can I help people? And um, also just like realizing that, oh, in order for me to bring in other aspects to my life, like, you know, my, um, I was single at the time, I'm still single, but I was trying to date and I was like, why is it so hard? And like, what's going on? And the two kind of converged. And I realized, oh, for me to probably call in someone into my life, I need to be at a higher like vibration or like a a more uh, clear place where, you know, in my, my career, at least that's what I, uh, I assumed. I, and, you know, it's hard to say if it's right or wrong, but it's like, I need to like love what I do by myself without anybody in my life and be happy where I am in my present. 
and then maybe someone will come in and it'll be you know good and rather than just like waiting for someone to come through to to fill the gaps that that existed so mm. that was where it started mm. thank you so much for for sharing that it sounds like really coming into a place of your own authenticity and what felt right to you and your own soul's evolution and growth and and so what was that process been like for you as you know you've had these expectations growing up of you know maybe uh, that being a doctor or you know those other expectations and what has that been like for yourself and within the family within your family to recognize that you had these other goals for yourself and and really stepping into your own path and and the truth of what you want to create for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, it's a lot of, it's it's taken years of self-introspection, I'll say. And the more important thing is years of unlayering and like understanding that so much of what I was chasing after originally was coming from a place of fear, which is what, you know, I, I was taught and no harm, no foul. I, I don't discredit anyone, um, like family members or anyone for what they knew because that's just what they knew and that's what they passed down. That's like, they were coming from a place of love and yes, fear. So, it's, but it's been a matter of just like, okay, I have to question myself, not as much anymore. Now it's like easy for me to do it, but when I make a decision, am I making this decision because I'm excited about it or am I doing it because I'm afraid and you know, I, I want something um, to fill that fear So it's a lot of understanding that. And I will give my family and my parents a lot of props too. Like they've grown with me. There's been some resistance, you know, when I stepped into my work as a coach, um, they didn't necessarily understand why I was quitting my job and trying this thing. And, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I can always come back to work if this doesn't work, but I need to give this my all um, because I really realized also like the way I want to help people, it's taken a long time for me to figure it out is I love conversations. I love mental health. That's really what I care about. And I love helping people in a one-on-one setting, get to where they want to be and really understand their own fears and what's like feeling like they're, you know, holding them back from the life that they can be living the best life that they can be living and want to be living. Um, So, yeah, I mean, in the like the, the fears of my parents and like the judgments they kind of come they've, they've come through of course and it's permeated in judgment of myself the judgment of like my surroundings but over time I've been able to unpeel those and and yeah it's gotten easier for sure over time yeah that's assuring to hear I'm curious though to what what process like what kind of process does that look like this unpeeling of the the unspoken um yeah, like the the unspoken messages that were given to you from a family. What what does that look like to come out on the other side? Like where basically where you are now? Yeah, I think it's a few things. I think one is just generally exposure to the world. You know, as you get older, you see more things, you learn more about people. Um, I've definitely also tried all the like routes. I've had coaches myself. I've had therapists myself. They've been helpful, but I feel for like. someone like me who's like deeply introspective I'm always asking questions Um, I'm always observing people and I'm like oh I started noticing the contrast between other people and myself like I think this way so like we're all in our own heads we're all in our own little perspectives and like our lives so then I'll see someone who does something it might be innocuous and really simple I'm trying to think of an example but nothing's coming to mind right now Um, but might be something really small um 
And, oh, it's, it could be like, I'm, I'm a very punctual person and like, I like things to be done on time. But then I started meeting a lot of people who weren't necessarily very punctual. And I would observe like, why? It was like, what's going on here? Like, how does their brain work? And why are they not so punctual? And I started realizing, oh, not this is not important to everybody. Like other things matter to other people. And again, this is a really small example, but I started doing that with everything. So if I notice like a contrast in a person that was like, they function differently than I do, I'd look at them and like, why do they do that? What about it? It's like causing them to act the way they do. And then I would just understand that like, oh, there's like so many different personality types. So that A and then B, um, asking why a lot to myself just like, why do I do it, the thing I do? Again, it's, is it coming from a place of judgment? Am I um, negatively viewing myself? Am I negatively viewing someone else in this process? Or am I doing this again from a place of love or excitement um, rather than a place of fear and negativity? That's beautiful. So it sounds like really just questioning everything. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and as you question everything, right, then you, you start to like open up and, and recognize that, yeah, the maybe... Um, the old way of doing something isn't always the right way or, or is there ever a right way, right? And so it's about like really coming into what what feels good and um, how you uh, start perceiving the world in a different way. And so I, I'm curious too, because you mentioned that even as you've been shifting your own energy and perspectives and questioning, your family has also been shifting. And, and so there's a lot, you know, it sounds like a lot of ancestral healing within that, even though you mentioned there's some resistance, which I think is natural for, you know, for any of that. But, you know, as an introspective person and, and you know, shifting some of the question or shifting some of the perspectives and questioning things um how yeah how have you what what have you seen with the the ancestral wounds shifting as well yeah I will say a large large part of my own healing has been accepting who I am and not judging myself and then understanding where those judgments come from um, and so I will say my parents again I, I give them full props have been on their own like spiritual journeys and their own like journeys in, in letting go of a lot of judgments, because that's really the root of so many, I think, issues we have is like, we judge, we put something on a, on a pedestal, we put it down, we say, this is bad, this is bad, this is good. I think this is the really root of the issue, rather than saying, oh, there's just different kinds of people, there's different things that happen in life, there's different ways to live life, and it's all okay. So I think that's the real issue. So for me, it was always, oh, it's not okay to be someone who doesn't have, you know, the typical at least nine to five or the typical like high status job. And it was always like a, a source of fear, judgment, and just like, oh, like it's bad. <laughs> so that was the real thing um, I had to work on first with myself. And once I have the confidence in myself to be like, oh, okay, now I can shift gears and move towards what I really want. I will also say, I started seeing a lot of entrepreneurs in the last few years and a lot of these kinds of things. And it was something that wasn't even my, in my worldview a few years ago. So once I realized that existed, because it, I hadn't seen that a lot in my family and like in my um, like friend circle, things like that. Once I started seeing that, my entire worldview shifted again. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is something you can do. And it wasn't something I was taught, but now that I know about it, this makes sense for who I am today. So um, I definitely had long, difficult conversations with my parents 
they were scared. And that was the, that's again, the primary root of all of this. They were scared. They want me to be happy. They are, they were willing to like, let me try my thing if it worked. So it was, there was like, there's always a push and pull. Like some days are good for me. Uh, some days are not as good. Um, so I get, I try to give them more of like the good. This is not, not as much of like the, the things that are difficult because I, if they hear all of that difficult, like it, the fear still gets really triggered. So I would say it's a work in progress for all of us, but they've been very open-minded, which I can say um, is not the case for all, you know, immigrant families or South Asian or Indian families, or specifically I'm Indian. Uh, they've definitely been more open-minded than a lot of people that I've met. Mm. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious because I, I don't come from sure. uh, that type of immigrant background. Well, what would you say to the individual whose family may not be so open or not so supportive and still hold on to those very, you know, traditional beliefs of like you mentioned, like be a doctor or, you know, those, those, the typical high paying occupations, like how, how does, how would one navigate that? Uh, Yeah. I would say you have to really know what you want for yourself first before Mm -hmm. anyone else, like understand your why behind whatever you're doing, understand who you are, understand your like the way forward for yourself and if you are clear on that and you have a confidence in what you're doing for yourself the rest yes I mean of course we want to make the people that we love happy and we want to include them and, and have their support and have them you, you know believe in us and all these things but if you believe in yourself first the rest won't matter as much and you can have the difficult conversations that's when I help people learn to set boundaries that's when we learn to have the conversations that say I understand that you're coming from a place of love and you're coming from a place of like caring about what I'm doing but I have to try things this way and if it doesn't work it's okay like I will still be okay understanding the worst case scenario and maybe laying it out for them and if they still don't understand you just have to be again confident enough and have those boundaries set enough where where you know you're like I, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do for myself and if things don't work you know maybe I care what they think maybe I don't but it won't matter in the long run. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I liked how you mentioned before you surrounded yourself with other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So I've found in in a similar work that I do uh, as a holistic healer and a coach, when when that family foundation, which for many people was kind of this bedrock, it was this support for them. And then when they started to shift and evolve and family wasn't on board for, mm-hmm. you know, whatever reason, they needed to surround themselves with people of a different mind, more like-minded of where they wanted to go. And I think that can be a really powerful, you know, energy shifter into, into the kind of new and, and unknown. And I, I commend you for finding those other entrepreneurs, probably not within your family structure or what you knew before, and then found the support that you needed outside of family. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Community and a support structure is very important. We are social creatures. We definitely need all of that. Um, so it's it's been so helpful for me to see so many people I now know succeed in their entrepreneurial lives. So um, yeah, definitely find the people that you can somewhat emulate. I wouldn't say emulate, just like whose paths make sense to you and you like the structure that they're moving down and then make your own of it. Um, but also I like to remind people if it, if their path, you know, if you're, you're seeing someone's path and you're trying to follow that um, and it doesn't work for you, don't get disheartened because there are many different ways to be right to live. 
Um, so, so it's important to remember that regardless of what's happening, um, you are still like valuable and worthy and you can still succeed in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious too, I, I read something that you had sent into us about coming from a matrilineal lineage. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and how that has uh, shaped you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my family, um, the Indian family structure or like society is definitely a patriarchal society. Um, so there are some norms that have obviously seeped into, into the way things work, just like, um, nothing is coming top of mind, but there's plenty. Um, but in my family, the, my, I would say the women have been very strong and have had very strong voices. And my mother has had the most, I would say, impact on my life. She was the one who, her expectations were what I took on. Her expectations were the ones I was always trying to please. I was always trying to make sure that she was happy. Um, and my mom is a very creative, like visionary person, had so many big dreams for herself and for both of her kids, myself, of course, included. Um, so I would say in that sense, it's just like having a really strong woman role model has been really good for me and that she's always pushed me to believe that, you know, you really can do whatever you want. My grandmother, um, you know, came from a family of uh, very educated people. She was a teacher. Uh, both my grandmothers are very educated. So I've always seen very like strong, educated women, which is not always the case in the Indian society. A lot of women are very repressed, very suppressed in Indian society. A lot of people I know, their families, um, the women have been told to stop working, you know, taking time off or whatever it is, just like support the support um, your children, support your family, which I would say that I have seen some of that as well in my family as well, but I just have seen very, very strong, powerful women overall. So standing up for myself has never been an issue, things like that. Mm. Like I've always known in certain ways who I am. And um, yeah, so I would say, yeah, it's, it's definitely shaped my life in good. Yeah. good. I, I love to hear the the powerful legacy shift, right? Yeah. And I think that it it's a pro, it's a proactive state to be, you know, I mean, I come from a, a different generational legacy and I'm the one like kind of pushing those boundaries and also moving into like this entrepreneurship field, which no one in my women lineage would have ever considered, but in their own way, they kind of like raise the vibration of what they bring. And then I now have daughters. And so it's this idea that I can show them, look, you can, you can follow your dreams and do what you really want to do. And I think that's the really powerful, that's a really powerful message in any culture. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really helps for anyone growing up to see like themselves and other people, especially for kids and teenagers, like times when you're really confused. That's when you, when you see someone else, you know, that's what you start to embody in yourself. And like, those are the traits you start to bring on. So seeing my mom is just a very outspoken, like powerful person has definitely helped hopefully shape me into to something along those lines as well. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, that's beautiful just to um, have such strong women role models and and leaders to really give you that message that anything is possible and that you can really begin to create the life that you want for yourself. And so that's really, really beautiful. I'm wondering, I'd like to, yeah, talk a little bit about self-love and what that journey has been for you. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure, sure. I would say that actually is probably the crux of my like 
life journey. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, I definitely have like a powerful, uh, beautiful mother, but the expectations still came from like fear of you, we have to make money. Like these are the important things we have to be financially secure when you grow up. And so hence like the whole, the doctor paradigm came into my life and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. It makes complete sense. I, I want to help people. But I always thought like, I always knew I, I liked people and I wanted to help people, but at a young age, I didn't really know how that made sense for me. Um, so I always was like, okay, I'm going to like become a pediatrician or psychiatrist. So there was always an inkling. Like I always knew the little things, like I love kids, love mental health. Um, so I, I followed that path. And in doing that, um, if I had a hard time with a class, if I had a hard time at school, or if there was something I didn't like, I, in school, I thought I was the problem. So it was a lot of like self-criticism, like, oh no, like everyone else is doing this. Why aren't you doing this? So that was how I went through most of my life up until maybe my like early to late twenties, late twenties, I actually had a coach and we were talking about love and just like um, how important romantic and and familial and platonic relationships are, are in your life just as love. And I was talking about how important like my relationships are to me in general and how much I love love. And she said to me, um, but you know that self-love is also love. And I don't think that thought had ever occurred to me in my life before that moment. And like, I think I was like 29, which is strange to think about. And in that moment, I was like, oh my goodness, really? Like that's love too. And in that moment, I realized that I had been just not nurturing my own spirit for so many years. I just been like, criticizing it and like covering it up with judgments again and just like all these things and that was when my actual spiritual journey started and I was like oh my gosh I have to learn to love myself what does that look like and I was like okay I think that starts with acceptance so I had to really work on like this is who I am I don't have to negatively view myself in any way I don't have to judge myself I can just be okay with who I am forget loving myself I can just be okay with who I am so that was the first step for me and then I started seeing like, okay, um, there, I have various facets. Like I'm a really sensitive person, for example, like this doesn't have to be a bad thing. This can be like a strength. I can love this part of myself. And how does it help people? How does it like put good out into the world? So I started doing that. I started seeing the positive. I started switching basically the narrative around myself. So nothing changed in terms of like externally who I am. I'm still the same person, but my perspective of myself shifted radically and so I would say that's actually been the biggest change for me in the last few years starting to see myself as a whole like completely different person starting to see myself with kindness and like caring and love and acceptance and it's changed my life completely and and it's also allowed me to accept other people so much more which I think is huge Mm, that's a beautiful story of like when we shift within then we start to see the our perspectives shift, even with the people that we draw in or the decisions that we make. I love that. So when when you did make this shift in your late twenties around that time, like what like what specific things were like? Did you know that shifted on the outside of you that you knew was a part of that internal shift that yeah. came from this new reality of of self love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The biggest shift that happened actually was my career. That was when I was like, oh, okay, I can do things differently. Like maybe like certain things that I thought would be easy for me were hard. Like maybe this corporate life that feels difficult sometimes, like I don't have to beat myself up because it feels hard. Maybe I can look at it as I've 
had this time to get to where I am and I've had this opportunity to learn so much. Um, and now I can put these skills that I have uh, to use in a different way. Maybe I can start something of my own. So I started exploring options rather than limiting myself and saying, no, no, this is like, you're doing this badly. Like that's bad on you. I started saying, okay, um, I've learned all this. Where can I put this to use? And I started just exploring. That's when I went into like taking classes for coaching. That's when I started, um, again, seeing all the other entrepreneurs, um, meeting people who do different things, just understanding different potential avenues I could go down, trying to understand what made sense for me. And that eventually allowed me to make the shift into the work that I'm doing today. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. I love like, you know, that shift that you, you said you had, you know, and just recognizing that self-love was love too. And, and just coming into that place because so often we forget we, or we don't, you know, we don't put ourselves in that place of, of also loving ourselves, right? Because we've been taught that it's selfish or, you know, or, or then this word narcissistic gets thrown around, right? And so, and so there's always these negative connotations, but really coming back into this place of, yeah, loving yourself, loving, you know, um, who we are. And it sounds like there's this, there was a shift of also allowing yourself to have permission to then not beat yourself up and mm -hmm. follow your your path. And yeah. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Curious too, um, what are some of the tools that you love that, that you come back to around self-love? Like what are some of your go-tos that you um, use yourself and, and maybe share with clients? Sure, absolutely. Um, there's a few. Um, actually, it also depends on the clients, but I'll, I'll bring up the ones that come up the most. So I think for me, grounding into my body is very important. We talk about this a lot. We hear about this a lot in the spiritual community. But um, to me, the essence of being a spiritual being is really being present. We forget so often you know, because we live in a society that's requiring us to be productive and constantly go, 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 we're all, all, so many of us are living in the future or so many of us are living in the past because we did something and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And that's like bad or good or whatever it is. We're always like somewhere else. We forget that the present is when we can really make change. So because if we're living in the future or the past, we're usually living in our heads. So I try to bring people back to the now a lot. And I do it with myself regularly too. I try to remember like my heart space and I, I, bring, I usually guide people in meditations just like back into feeling themselves like and if they're having, you know, difficulty or if I'm having difficulty in a moment because I, I go there too sometimes, you know, I'm human still. Um, <laughs> I, I will just like in the middle of something if I'm just feeling anxious, we'll just start like touching my fingertips and just like really, really paying close attention to them. Um, everyone doesn't have to do that. Pick a body part, whatever it is <laughs> that works for you and just really pay close attention to it like the bridges on your fingertips or your toes or like what um, a certain part of your body feels, or if you are more interested in like the chakras, maybe like tap into one of them and just like, what does this part of my body really, really feel like? And start not necessarily describing it to yourself, but more feeling what it is, because I think we've forgotten so much of how to feel. We're so used to jumping like through our emotions, like just expediting through them. And then those emotions start getting stuck in our bodies and we don't know how to access them because we're scared to. So a big part of what I do is just like, it's okay to sit with whatever it is, negative or positive. And a lot of my clients actually, 
aren't taught that things like anger or sadness are okay. They're taught like, you just have to be joyful and happy all the time. Like be like, be grateful for what you have, but how are you going to be grateful if, you know, these things that are triggering these negative feelings in you are, you're, you're getting angry about something. How do we do that? You know, if, if the anger is just sitting here, learning to really access the anger, that doesn't mean you have to be angry all the time. That means just, you know, feeling it, understanding that it's there in the moment and remembering that it's going to pass. Remembering that these, these emotions are not permanent by any means, letting them just move through the body, whether it takes you a day or two, give it its time, like acquiesce with it almost like coexist with it, see it separate from yourself. So that's a big thing I do with my clients, help them understand that, you know, they're not their emotions. It's okay to feel them. And then when they do that, they learn to just like process these things much better. Um, another thing I do is I work with my clients to help them see their lives as more of like a, as a holistic person, because so many people compartmentalize who they are. They're like, I'm uh, really great at work. And this is my identity. I'm really bad at dating. This is my identity. People like to put, give themselves labels. Um, but there's something actually called the wheel of life. I like to have when I start out with clients, just like we look at that, we look at all the aspects of your lives, life. And we see that like all of these things help make you up as one full person. Um, and actually I go through each of the categories and help clients understand how they're feeling about each of these categories. But I think it's very important for people not to necessarily identify with labels so much. Labels come up a lot because we like, as humans, we're like, oh, I'm an Enneagram, whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. my astrology, you know, I'm an Aquarius this or sun, moon, rising, whatever, whatever. And I think it's super fun. Like you should do that if it helps you understand yourself by all means, if it helps other people understand you. But I don't want like people to identify with that because then once you do that, Mm -hmm. you're sticking yourself in a box and you're limiting yourself already. And then when you're in a certain situation, you might just define yourself as like, I'm this because I'm like a Leo son or I'm this because I'm an Enneagram nine. But maybe maybe if you gave yourself the, the space you're actually not this. Maybe you're more than that. I I love that. I I wholeheartedly agree because I have many people that will come up and say, I'm my Myers-Briggs, you know, and they've got their four (laughs) letters and their Enneagram number and their, you know, all the things. And I'm like, and you are so much more like so much. And I think there, those are good identifiers, like that can help kind of shift us maybe in a certain direction, give us some perspective or ideas on like, what, what are my gifts and talents, but ultimately like we are the most powerful creators and we can shift into really any Enneagram number that we want. Yeah. <laughs> um, some are obviously a little bit more, um, more predominant, but uh, yeah, I, I really agree with like, we're not just a, a number or a four letter identifier. We, we can, we can yeah. create beyond that. Uh, those perspectives. <laughs> I think what comes alongside that too, for me is uh, being more open to change. Once you start sticking mm. yourself in those kind of boxes, you're, you're limiting yourself from changing and evolving. And as people, I, well, as an individual myself, I hope to constantly evolve for the better. I mean, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, and I hope I've learned and grown in the next 10 years. So when I think when we start to identify ourselves in that way, or like closely identified to like these little things, we're again, cutting off scope for change and for growth because then we're like, oh no, I'm just an extrovert. And that's, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, those really do, you know, they put you in a box. And then when we get so stuck on it, there's there's little room for evolving. And I mean, I can just think about, you know, when I first took the Myers-Briggs, you know, <laughs> I was very, very like way on the um, introverted side. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I took it again, like, I don't know, 10 years later. And I was like right in the middle between the extrovert and introvert side. So I was like, had this balance. Um, so I feel like, yeah, everything is shifting and changing all the time. And as we evolve and uh, ascend even our energy and our consciousness, and as that's rising, you know, so are some of these constructs that we um, have put ourselves in. And so nothing is, is concrete. Everything has so much fluidity with it, which is really the beautiful thing about, you know, being human. There's so many, so many factors involved in, in this, you know, humanness that we, we are. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. I think, yeah, if, if you see life as not fixed, I think that's a really important way to be living. Cause if, if you're stuck in one perspective, that then I think like the scope for growth is like limited and you're, you're, you know, you, you'll probably be living fine. It's, you'll be living okay, but you maybe won't be able to reach like the potential that you can, if that's something you desire. Mm-hmm. And the same things, I mean, like as labels go, you know, with um, say mental, mental health, right. Um, it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist. So I, you know, I, I'm very, very careful about like giving anybody a label, right. Um, because they, then this is like, oh, well I have anxiety. So, you know, or I'm depressed. So, and then there's like this, I am, and we have to be really yeah. careful about what we add on to the, the, I am, because a lot of mental health, I mean, we can, there's so many tools that we can help move out of it. Even trauma, you know, trauma is not something we have to live with. We can, you know, there's so much healing we can do. Um, So it's a great place to start, you know, to identify, you know, what's, what's going on, but then how do we move from there to do the healing work? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious if you don't mind me asking Stacey, since you are a psychotherapist, uh, do, do you practice actively still? I do. Mm-hmm. You know, would you say that the majority of your patients have anxiety? Because I feel like we've started to use this as a label, like I'm an anxious person. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, a defining factor. And I'm, I always wonder, I'm like, I wonder, my assumption is that the majority of us, like it's a scale and we move through some kind of scale of anxiety. Some people may be more than others, um, but I assume everyone feels anxiety in some way during their lives. Absolutely. I think it's a natural emotion that we, you know, we go and I actually anxiety. Um, I don't, it's not really an emotion. It's, it's more of a blanket, you know? So there's, um, a lot of emotion underneath the anxiety that we might have to, um, work through in order to, to heal that anxiety, but it is, it is a natural emotion that a lot of people experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, f- I find for some people, they'll use it as an excuse. And, and I can't say that, you know, I haven't done this myself, like, well, my, my anxiety be way too high to put myself out there and do that, you know, so it just shuts down the conversation. Yeah. And um, sometimes I'm like, well, is it excitement, maybe? Like, could there be a little bit of mixture of like anxiety and excitement? Um, I don't know. Mm. I think it's very, it can be very individual, but I it always pains me to to see people 
say, like you mentioned the pronouns of like my anxiety or my depression. And I'm like, Mm. Ooh, that's a strong identifier. I'm like, is that really what you want to align with? Because that's what that's saying. And it, and it can be very subconscious. I think a lot of people don't even realize they're owning their anxiety or whatever label or Enneagram or (laughs) whatever, whatever it might be, but to really expand and, and be like, and I'm so much more. And maybe some of that anxiety, anxiety could be excitement around something new. Mm -hmm. No, I think you're completely right where it's curious for me too. That's what I've observed. A lot of people use it as an excuse. I'm like, well, if, if everyone did that, we would all be just like, none of us would be doing anything ever because we'd all just be saying how anxious we were all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, and, and I think the anxiety, it's important to acknowledge it and be aware of it and then, you know, feel it and, you know, allow it to to be ex- in existence, right, with the, the next step. Because as we, you know, are um, moving into the anxiety, we're not letting it take power over us and we can, we can, you know, take uh, the next step. And and yeah, anxiety and excitement can be two of the same, you know, on the same side of the coin. Um, They look very similar. um, But if we're, we move into the excitement, it's going to feel very different than if we have this, um, say, yeah, this anxiety that keeps us stuck in the same, same loops. And so I'm wondering um, if you could talk about like, so as you focus on the work that you're, you're doing, how do you see the supporting the bigger picture of healing the world and, um, and the, the clients that you serve? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely, my bigger mission is to help move forward towards a more healed society. And by that, I mean, we're letting go of our judgments of ourselves, of other people coming from a place of love. And to do that for me, it means like starting with one person or with a small group of people. Um, I think the more we do that, the more we can learn to live like without, there's so much violence and so much like hatred and all of these things. And it's because people either come from that or they're taught that, you know, whatever the reason is, or they've experienced something that have that has built them to be that way. Um, but when you're doing that, you don't know, life is just harder. I think when you're living from a place of love and joy, you're more confident in who you are. You care more about yourself, um, which is what I assume most people, you know, want to function that way. Your things are just easier in life. I feel like, so I'm really trying to guide people towards that place of compassion, of self-love, of love for, you know, the outer world, whether it's like, me or humans or animals or nature, whatever it is, because in my mind, we are all interconnected. And once you start to have more compassion, even for yourself, you might start having more compassion for, um, it sounds so grand, but like the earth, it's something that that Mm -hmm. with me, like I've always loved plants, but I never saw the earth necessarily as a living thing. Um, but I started really caring more about like the world that we're living in, like the ground, like beneath me, (laughs) uh, very literally, it sounds so silly in some ways, but, um, not at all having again yeah more compassion for like the littlest things in life so thank you vibe that and hopefully everyone I work with yeah well thank you so much for this beautiful conversation with us today Ruina if you could just please let our listeners know uh, where they can find you and anything you're currently working on yes I'd love to Uh, well thank you first of all ladies for having me on this was a really really lovely conversation 
Um, you can find me. I have my website. So ruhinamhera.com. That's R-U-H-I-N-A-M-E-H-R-A.com. I'm also on Instagram, ruhinamhera coaching, same spelling, add coaching to the end. Um, and I have a couple offers. Um, I actually, for anyone you know, that wants something free to start off with. If you sign up for my email list on my website, you actually get a free worksheet on how to set boundaries in difficult relationships. I think that's something a lot of people I um, work with are going through. I've seen that come up a lot. So just like to gift that to whoever might be interested in it. And I also, you know, if you're ready for more deeper in-depth work, I do work with people one-on-one -on -one in coaching containers that I have. Um, my, my containers start at three months. And then we do sessions uh, twice, um, once every two weeks, so bi-weekly over the course of three months, it's six sessions in, in three months. So it's a great place to start if you want to build confidence, if you want to get clarity on your goals and who you are. And again, just want to move towards that life of more joy and ease um, and love. Mm, thank you. And we will absolutely add all your links to our show notes. So thank you, Ravina, for being here with us today. And sharing this space and thank you for listening to be the love podcast if you've enjoyed listening to our show please share the love by sharing it with your family and friends giving us a five-star written review on itunes and spotify or liking us on facebook and please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with a monthly donation that helps with the operating costs of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love to contribute visit our patreon website at Patreon dot com forward slash be the love podcast and stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.